welcome to Grid Talk, your weekly RC podcast, with your hosts Russell Lee and Chris Bowden, bringing you the latest RC news and interviews from around the world. Sit back and enjoy as we talk RC cars. Hello and welcome to Grid Talk, your weekly RC racing podcast with your hosts myself, Russell Lee, and of course the fantastic Chris Bowden. How you doing, Chris? Oh, I'm all right, mate. Yourself? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad at all this week. Good, so good to hear. Yeah, and stop raining. How about that? But anyway, before we before we get into anything, let me say a massive thank you to our sponsors, CML Distribution, and of course Schumacher Racing. Guys, thank you for everything you do for us and for everything you do for RC. So, Chris, here we go. We have got a wonderful guest who's got his own RC company, UK RC company. Excellent. It is good, isn't it? It is good, you know. It is good. It's good to have uh, some homegrown skills. Yeah, and talent, definitely. Right, uh, let's go straight into it then, um, because our time is ticking on and we should have been on the phone to this guy five minutes ago. Let me go and find Will Johnson. So, it looks like uh, Will's popped up for us. Uh, Will, are you there? Yo, good evening, guys. Thanks for inviting me on. It's our pleasure, mate. How are you doing? Not too bad. How about yourselves? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm we, all right. we get in, boy. We get, we get to talk about RC cars for an yeah. hour, so it's always a pickup. Let me give um, this gentleman an introduction. This is Will Johnson of the comp- RC company Will Speed, um, who makes chassis kits uh, conversions um, for a car of his own design with six. Was it a six gear gearbox? Five gear. So gearbox. it's it's a five gear. Five gear with a five gear gearbox, basically moving the motor right the way forward into the, into the middle of the car. Obviously, there'll be some pictures on the website for you to, to have a look at. So, how you been doing, Will? How's, how's racing life or, or running a racing business in, in this modern day and age? <laughs> um, pretty quiet, you can, as you can imagine, as it is for a lot of people yeah. with the racing stopping. Running a, a racing team is, is somewhat difficult. Um, luckily, you know, for me, it's, it's a bit more of a fun on the side kind of thing, so I don't rely on it financially in any yeah. way um but it is a shame i'm missing the racing side but you know i've been keeping my mind busy work's been keeping me busy besides from that um yeah. you know so i've been keeping well things so, haven't stopped entirely and how you know how did you end up racing rc cars from the local club to, to running a company like will speed yeah so Models of such a sort of always were in my childhood household, if you like. My dad was into his models, and he was mainly into his planes more than anything, but he had a couple of of Tamiya stuff and those kind of likes when he was younger. And me growing up, those catalogues would sort of always be around, and there were kind of things I'd find fascinating until one year probably of him noticing me flicking through these catalogues enough that um he probably thought it's something i might be into and he he got a second hand car for his friend which was a it was a manta ray yeah tamiya manta ray so i smashed that around for a a long time kept gluing the shock tower and stuff back together as i smashed it off curbs and then i sort of naturally progressed into racing really dad through his work had a friend that worked uh sorry through his work went to the local club which was uh, Faversham Off-Road Car Club uh, and that's still my local club and yeah sort of getting got into it that way got a proper race car which was a triple x4 so this would have been mid 2000s I think something like that probably around 
nine or ten. It sort of progressed from there, really. Before, um, yeah. So I've always been into sort of the quirkier cars. Moving on from that, moving through racing, and I've had a few things like um, the five eleven when that was sort of a, a bit more niche and atomic carbon s 44s i had a kmc converted kyosha if you remember those like yeah. the carbon saddle pack zx5 so that side of the hobby has always sort of really interested me and i'd always love it you know bringing back to the days of like upal do you remember on upal there was like that i made this section yes yes yeah best part of upal for me i used to love flicking through there and seeing all the stuff that people had, had done and i think that sort of I started to get the bug from there and sort of moving more into further life. Um, 15, 16, I was uh, looking to go to college, getting into engineering to sort of get into this stuff. Uh, yeah, so that's sort of the move from a childhood hobby into actually thought of making stuff for the industry. Because um, you started, work, when yeah. you got to about 16, you started working for Vega, didn't you? you yeah, that's with correct. That project. Yeah, so I worked for, uh, I drove for Predator um, at the time, and during that time, Vega was sort of very new. Um, sort of, they had a, a CNC machine uh, at Predator or Team Extreme, and they were sort of getting into you know what other things they could do with that. And this is sort of around the time of the mid motor boom, if you like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at that time, I was uh, in college. I was doing a, a a diploma in engineering and you know full-time college not strictly full-time <laughs> i think it was three days a week so three days a week i'd go there two days um the other two days i'd head over to uh, team extreme uh, and work there so yeah i raced predator for a while and then sort of started to see things how it was handled in terms of how you can operate the cnc machine that time i would sort of I wasn't into the programming and likes of it, but I would uh, run the jobs and operations and stuff. And yeah, it sort of progressed from there because it was a bit of a, an odd scenario how we worked the machine. There, it was it was programmed externally, so all the coding for various parts was done externally, and then the machine was just run there. Yeah. Um, so I sort of naturally took over halfway through the Vega project. Um, so Vegas went through a series of generations of cars, but in the mix of the Gen 2 cars, where the likes of uh, uh, Mr. Martin, Lee Martin and the likes were driving, um, that when the 201 series didn't have a mid-motor car, um, I would have taken over in, in that kind of era. Yeah. Um, and then the Gen 2, Gen 3 cars would have, would have all been me. So... Yeah, sorry, quite a long story to bust no, through there. No, yeah. it's great. Honestly, it's brilliant to hear it. So, did you then go back to what did you? I know you're an engineer, but what exactly did you? Are you a programmer? Or? No. So, my job title now is um, I'm a research and development engineer. Most of that is CAD based, yeah. but also. Um, yeah, it could be all sorts really from testing initial product to testing different materials of different bushes, bearings, gear, you know, all kinds of things. It's very yeah. across the board, um, but largely it, it is CAD based. Um, so that sort of crosses over into what we do with the wheel speed stuff. But uh, I ended up working for this company because 
naturally it was in the know of the company I work for a lot of RC racers uh, actually work there but they sort of knew of me working at Team Extreme yeah and what I did there and um yeah, when Team Extreme closed doors in, I think that was 2013, that's seven years ago, which is disgusting to think. But yeah, um, yeah life moves forward quite fast. But yeah, I, they scouted me from there, basically offered me a job saying, look, we think the work we're doing, um, we want to get a machine here and you can do that. Um, to this day, that's yeah. never happened. We, we've kept all our stuff external for the company I work for now. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. So, so how did you end up, you know, did you just one day just sit there and say, right, I'm going to design a car or or a conversion for a car, or did you or had you already been making smaller parts and things like that first? So I think I'd had a bit of a breakout of racing because coming from Team Extreme, I naturally when you start to work in it, you start to become a bit sick of it. To be honest, yeah. when it's you got to make everything from model cars, it, it, it's difficult to break out into a sense of norm if that makes sense um so i naturally became pretty sick of it didn't want anything to do with it and parked it for year two years i'd pop along to local club for like social side of things more than anything um and kept it ticking along like that and then sort of naturally after i got over the sort of being sick of it feeling i got back into it started going racing again and it was a natural progression of one of the guys. Uh, so back in Team Extreme days, where I said the machine was programmed externally, uh, the guy that did that, um, I worked alongside him in my current job until he uh, moved on to New Pastures. He had a, a restaurant that he owned or something, so he went to run that. Um, but moving along the line, he sold up his restaurant. Said, oh, "I'm starting. I'm starting a machine in business. You know, I want to do this, so we're doing this." So I was like, oh, "Right, okay, this sounds cool. <laughs> like, have I got? Is there a door opening here for something?" So, um, yeah, that that got going, and then we was like, we got chatting. So, you know, got the drive to do something cool again. So, um, that's where it sort of came from, really. And then it started with we made a. It was all in the learning process of it was a new machine uh, moving on sort of five years from when I'd last done things coding and the likes of how these machines operate had moved on quite leaps and bounds in how you could tooling was new the, the methods of programming the stuff like this it was all quite exciting stuff so was, oh, let's think of something we can make like to get this thing going um, so one of the first very parts made on that machine is we made a, a billet aluminium tub chassis for uh, the car I had at the time, which was a Cougar KC. Yeah. And that's where it, it started. And the five gear was a natural progression from that of, um, we made the chassis and then that car was belt driven, but there was an obvious, obvious trend of the time of weight bias moving forwards and all of the effects of that has. Um, so it was like, well, the Cougar was an, an utterly dominant car at the time um, with its more forward motor position. So I was like, well, let's make a stack five gear transmission and see how that goes. And yeah, and that's sort of been the trademark of the wheel speed car to be, you know, the RF2 car. It, it's the trademark of what people see it for. Um, there's a lot more in the design than just the transmission, but it's a huge part of it that separates it from the norm. Yeah. What does RF stand for? 
<laughs> I can't believe this has never, never, ever come up. Um, it, it, go on, have a stab. What, what do you guys think? I haven't got a clue. I've, I've seen it a few times while I've been researching over the last week. I wonder what RF stands for. Is it really um, forwards so or something like that? It's really fast. <laughs> really? really fast too. <laughs> Class, man. Yeah, two years that car's now existed, and I can't believe it's sort of been private knowledge but yeah it's not been hidden information I don't think anyone's just ever asked me but brilliant so how long did you stay with the KC4 uh, version before you, you moved on to the B6 or was that, was that big people ask, did people ask you to do a, a different version of the car so yeah it, the Cougar you... car sorry go on. it was a bit of a mix match it's alright mate uh, it was a bit of a mix match of stuff it was like um so it started as a Cougar with just the, the tub chassis, but when we moved on to the transmission, um, we actually used um, most of the transmission components from an XB2, I think it was like 2017 XB2, something like that. Um, so it was a bit of a mixed match monster of a car. Um, obviously, if it was something to, you know, you sold just the parts for, it'd be a horrifically expensive yeah. car to, for someone to buy. Um, I saw it had a lot of interest and I wasn't at the first instance I wasn't interested in selling it it just didn't bother me at all but yeah. it, honestly it was just I, it had such a buzz about it and people were really positive about it so yeah I remember want to yeah, buy yeah. them then then let's crack on but it, it started with the very first version what we did is oh well what would be cool now is before let's um we need to think of a car that is just a conversion kit for a car rather than a mixture of you need this front end, this back end, these shocks, whatever it might be. Um, so the progression was we were using the x-ray stuff, but um, I have a, a group of mates, as everyone does, that they naturally race with. And at the time, we all raced different cars, be it AE stuff. Um, TLR was popular between them at the time. And we thought, well, do you want, should we all race this car? Let's, all, let's make it a team. Let's make it a brand kind of thing. And then that'll be a fun thing to go race so we're not just going group as a group of mates to race but we're going as a, a team you yeah. know this could be quite exciting so that's how it progressed and we said let's um let's go with the x-ray car you know the x-ray car um has um a proven quality about it people seem to like it it seems to get um other hate for other reasons in terms of how the company can be perceived but you know the, the product's good um, Greg over here is a fantastic ambassador for that brand and uh, yeah so we I spoke to Greg and we got chatting was it, um, and he was happy to work with us at the time on that project and I ended up buying uh, God knows how many kits from him and stuff to get this stuff going um, yeah it was really cool so we built the XB2 and we raced that car and we debuted that car at Silverstone meeting um, before moving on to the, the Grand Prix of that year and yeah, and then from there, moving on, I think it was a heavy request that we did the, the AE version. Um, yeah. And that came some after, around a year later. So I got back into racing. I raced nationals that year with um, Kyle Moon and Steve Wilkinson. Um, yeah, we I remember, called the country doing that. It was you, great fun. Because you, you I remember at Silverstone, because um, I, was, I, was yeah. I was at that meeting when, you, when your man made the A. And you didn't you have a car in every final or something like that? You got what I'm saying. Your, te like your team is so you got a great like mix. Yeah, you got a great mix of pe people in, 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 in mix of speeds, haven't you? You know. We have, yeah. Yeah. And Kyle, Kyle was pretty handy, wasn't he? So. 
yeah, he's pretty. Um, keeps himself to himself, Kyle. Yeah. But yeah, 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 man, um, the boy can race. He, he's fast, so um, yeah, he's helped us yeah. push our brand. You know, he proves that the car can be really fast. So in the capable hands. Um, but yeah, it's a really good emphasis on the product. Really, that it's not a thing for fast guys to go really fast. Um, it's been a thing throughout the team that we do have quite a spread of F1 down to F3, 4 that um, all those guys noticed that the car was very easy to drive fast and they could naturally maybe go a final or two quicker than where they had been. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. So what do you think of the uh, the plus points of the car? Do you, do you think it's, uh, do you think the car um, is so good because you've got a stiffer chassis than everyone else? So I think I know that people think that the design was based mainly around the gearbox, um, but it's sort of a collaboration of things. And the idea between the five gear gearbox is to is what we thought at the time is we're always trying to think of better ways to do this thing. But I still think the stack transmission is the current best idea I've come with. That keeping the weight as central as you can, so moving that motor forward and then putting the battery up against it the radio gear up against it, trying to enclose the weight between the axles um, in as tight a square configuration as you can um, minimizes things like weight transfer. Yeah. Um, and weight transfer is where things often get out of shape. You know, if you have a lot of weight transfer, cars trying to do a lot of things, you know, in scale terms, the, the bumps that we face, jumps we hit are huge in terms of the size of the car. So the more we can minimize those effects, um, the easier the car will be dry, to drive fast and hold capable corner speed. Um, so that was where the head design was heavily based around, and the tub-type chassis comes into that as well. It's not only that it's stiff, is it is completely inert from the likes of Tweak um, because it is a single component. It's not a yeah. flat chassis yeah, plate, yeah. then you bolt. 12 screws down the side of it, told some plastic side guards on, then you bolt the battery strap across it. It's all integral in the base chassis, and that's where the design was focused. Um, keeping that super simple, make sure it's tweak-free, get the weight nice and in the middle. We've got like a weight bias split of, I think it's 45% to the front axle, 55% on the rear axle, yeah. um, and we've got the traction to allow a weight difference like that. Um, yeah, and I think the car's quite proven now. It is they done look, well. They look really good. I mean, yeah. there's not there isn't many around by me, but when I've seen them in a lot of places like Silverstone and stuff, they look really good. They look really nice on the track. They look really sharp. <laughs> yeah, cheers. I appreciate it. So, moving on from that, how did you end yeah. up from having a 10-car uh, car race team um, to taking orders? Because, you know, all of a sudden, you, 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 know, you, were do, you, you were doing your first batch of cars, weren't you? Yeah, it's, it was a difficult process and there's a lot that comes with it in terms of um, setting up a website and a commerce type thing that can handle it, um, especially having the time to handle something as large as taking on the order for, you know, yeah. if we sold 50 cars or something, it's a huge task. Um, so we manage it in quite a nice way that I do work a full-time job. Um, I don't have the time to... Uh, fully manage this on my own so the guy that um, I work with the, the machine shop his name's Adam Adam basically manages this on a, on a daily basis and he handles it in terms of a 
a production order if you like so yeah. it's just a thing on his board of you know as a machine shop you have on monday you've got to make abc a on that day might be b6 series wheel speed chassis something like that yeah um so it's handled naturally in the business and i can sort of handle it um, somewhat externally so i can focus on doing the designs help out some coding and stuff and pre-covid i would spend uh, um, my evenings down there so we'd run stuff in the evenings maybe we've got some new stuff to try or stuff like that but you just just want just whenever you want to go down just, just sneak in and and um we're not sneaking you know what i mean just just just, just jumping on the machines just make yeah, you know one it, or something yeah. where you can afford to make one or something rather than a hundred yeah that's it so you know i'm lucky i've got keys to get in there so um and he only lives around the corner so he'll often join me down there it's only a, a small business if you like yeah um at the time it only he only had one machine but now he's moving on to um he'll be up to three soon so this is again things that looking forward to the future um he's also he was on his own he, apart from me working from in the evenings he's now got two employees so we're sort of getting capacity now that we could push this forward if we really wanted to which is getting quite exciting yeah that's brilliant mate so i mean I feel like I'm, I'm. I know it's my job to bombard you with questions, but I feel like I'm hammering you. Right, I apologise. Yeah, no, I don't mind. So it, it was by pop, popular demand that you got forced into doing a four-wheel drive car as well. Yeah, somewhat. It was basically we had these guys racing our cars. Um, Two-wheel drive is obviously the prominent, prominent class, um, and it was a bit on our side really. It was like, oh, it'd be quite cool to have you know something four-wheel drive to race. Um, um, four-wheel drive we didn't want to go complete balls deep if you like into it so yeah. we decided let's sort of just focus on our emphasis of our ultimate chassis design so go with the billet aluminium tub again single aluminium piece uh completely tweak free all that kind of stuff so we focused on doing that and we've done a chassis for the b74 series um which unfortunately because of the likes of we haven't been racing um it's not been easy to push that out there um at this time you know if we was racing i'd be racing it kyle would be racing it and you know a number of other guys in the team and the track presence of them it really helps to be honest in terms of you know facebook posts and whatnot it, it doesn't it adds presence to show you there kind of thing but it doesn't yeah. necessarily produce sales but you know I, I i don't like to focus on the sales side too too much I just want to make sure we make cool stuff that people enjoy yeah. and then that's what really makes me enjoy it to be honest well that's it i mean obviously because you know i've noticed on your facebook page you make you've been making parts of some vintage tamias and some um, some steering knuckles yeah so it, i get all kinds of things out of the wheel speed uh, side of having that page and that portfolio yeah. of making this kind of thing we get all kinds of things and i'm making bits for rotrex superchargers at the moment just because some guy has seen that we make this stuff and he's like, oh, could you make these for me? So, <laughs> you know, yeah. the natural progression of this stuff is mad. But, um, yeah, so the Tamiya Belcranks was just, it was approached to me by um, a local racer who knew me from the sort of maritime days and he races in our region. He's like, oh, you know, I'm blissfully unaware, to be honest, of the vintage scene. I've not really been into racing long enough you know being triple x4 triple x4 is probably only my first race car that's not exactly you know the likes of rc10s yeah. and the low double x stuff i'm not i get it and you know i see people's builds and they're really cool but i don't 
have any nostalgic draw to them. Yeah. So I don't see a lot of the vintage side. But um, yeah, so this guy approached me. He said, you know, it'd be really cool if you could do some. These, this car's got quite a following, and I recognised it somewhat because oh, my Manta used to look somewhat like that, apart from not as posh. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we got into doing that. He was like, it'd be cool if you could make some bell cranks for this because there are option parts for this car, but it's the likes of the GPM, yeah, racing stuff, which is kind of like it's there and it's shiny, but it's not a purposeful, it's not made by an engineer making a part for a race car kind of thing. It's yeah. kind of made by a shiny part to look cool. So the likes of bearing fits and stuff were never good and the geometry wasn't quite right. So yeah. he was like, if you could make these, um, that'd be really cool so and honestly best selling product by far it is i'm blown away by the amount of tamir bell cranks we've had to make um yeah it is completely bonkers and they sell out regularly and we're probably on like the fourth or fifth batch now and i can't believe there's that many these top forces in the world but you know it's been a proper hit and i've been totally surprised so um, they recently re-released the top force didn't they they did a re-re of it seen that as well so, um, you know, that obviously fell into your lap. I was going to ask, um, obviously, when you did your four-wheel drive, you started with the the 74, didn't you? Um, did, yeah. What made you sort of... I mean, let's be honest, the X-Ray is probably the front-running four-wheel drive at the minute. What made you skip past um, the XB420 or 21 and use the associated chassis? Um, there was no particular hard feelings in any way of you know which brand we sort of went with next but I think the thing was at the time when uh, our staff was saying the B74 chassis was released a lot later than it was intended um, with how COVID happened Yeah, my my day job went absolutely mental and I was working till 10 every night so I couldn't handle any of the wheel speed stuff and the machine shop went exactly the same way they we didn't have time to make toy car stuff we had to get on with real work kind of thing um so the b74 chassis the rf4 was it was really delayed um but we focused on the ae car at the time just because in the times that you know me and adam could work on this stuff together the new x-ray car was eluding um it's sort of that time when x-ray come out with their next version so if I went out, I need to get the car first off, which sometimes I'll just buy because, you know, it's not a problem if I'm going to work from it. I'm quite happy to buy one and work from it, or I might borrow one. But at that time, in the time we could get one to um, making a part for it, the life cycle of that car could have been over. And I actually, we had a pretty unfortunate running with the XB2 series of car that we made our car on the 19 series, but we released the RF2 series of car when the 19 spec XB2 just came out. So that car we knew had a, a year life cycle at least. But when the XB220 came, because I'm we're obviously tied in with what X-Ray meant, manufactured at the time, um, they made fundamental changes to their car. Like the 19 to 20 was quite a big change. Like sometimes they make very little changes. Other times they make quite drastic changes. And the change between the 19 and 20, um, the change was drastic in terms of like the rear hanger spacing was all different. The transmission was a bit more AE-like, so the different stuff was narrower. They changed the axle. It was all quite like, well, okay, that no longer works with our car. Yeah. Um, so 
there was nothing against the X-Raid thing, and I'd, I'm still sort of toying with the idea of doing a chassis for the XB4 series. Um, but at the time we were doing it, the new release was imminent of the XB4, bringing out the 21, and it was just like, well, let's hold on just in case there's a drastic change with that, and then our product is inert before it even exists kind of thing. Whereas the AE cars tend to have, a, we have a bit more time to play, tends to have like a two-year life cycle, um, from what I've noticed, but luckily they did update to a point one, but um, the chassis works with either. But um, the changes we bring with the RAE chassis are changes that are in the point one. So uh, yeah, it was a lucky miss that one. But, but yeah, so no hard feelings either way. And I, we could do an XP4 chassis, but at the time it was just that was the decision. So mm. yeah. have you ever considered doing one of the Schumacher two-wheel drives now that they've got the lay down gone to gear because obviously you said about it was the belt that sort of put yeah. you off doing that earlier yeah so I have somewhere upstairs in amongst things I have got a Cougar and it's been a heavily requested thing so we've sort of got it's difficult where we put our focus next mm-hmm. I have promised <laughs> the Yokomo yeah it's sort of like there's only one thing, so exactly, yeah. <laughs> my mind it. is like on fire of all these yeah. things I want to do um, yeah, I, 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 I have... can imagine giving all these stuff part numbers alone would be yeah. enough to give you a nervous breakdown, <laughs> let alone designing yeah. it. So we have promised the Yokomo, the YZ2 version. Uh, I did show that a while back. That the model for that has been completed for some time, um, and it's pretty much ready to go on the machine. So hopefully, when the next window appears, we can do the Yokomo version, which has been a very popular request will you do and a, then, will you do a body for that as well do, are you going to do a bo- are you going to use one body on all the cars or are you going to have new bodies for each one um we'll see how we go um most of them end up that the same body fits yeah. but you know we have our own back former yeah um lucky for me my dad's taken on that side of things he really enjoys the woodworking of making the molds and or making a final tool and stuff so Brilliant. I haven't got to worry about that anymore he handles the body shells and we have got coming hopefully in the not too distant future a, a, a body for what is the full drive AE so not only for our chassis but it'll be just a body it'll be a wheel speed <laughs> yeah, don't know the name of it yet yeah for an, an AE B74 yeah, so that'd cool. be cool we can do a bit more of that we have got a wing to come again I, was, I saw that the machine the was it 250,000 lines of machining you had to do to oh, put something that stupid. wind? Yeah, and I think after that we scrapped that tool and remade it out of wood because it wasn't worth the effort. It was just easier to cut up another bit of wood. and, um, and We, some, made, we ran some like, prototype ones. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. We made some prototype ones off it and it wasn't quite drawing down the sides right and I wasn't happy with it. And then we just asked to make a wooden tool. Well, well Dad yeah. was doing it in his sort of free time um, and then we could keep the machine doing other stuff which kept it more busy but yeah, yeah so Schumacher so, one maybe yeah we'll, so we'll see is, how we is go is it yourself that's going to be designing your, your body shells and, and things like that as well it's weird because like myself I like I mean I don't know any of the level you guys but I, I like to make stuff you know prop you know, I've got millions things like that but yeah, I would yeah. never dream about doing a body because I don't feel like I'm artistic enough, you know what I mean. But for, yeah. for you guys to do both, it's pretty. That's pretty cool. So, you, is it you that's designing the body shell shapes as well? Um, we sort of pencil it out together, really. Like, um, 
one of my drivers, um, Carl, is is got quite an artistic eye. Yeah. And the design of the original body was, um, I just printed off him an engineering drawing of a side profile of the car with all the heights and said, we need a body to make that. Yeah. And I'm quite happy if you think it looks good, let's go with it. Um, so I gave free reign over to him and that's sort of where the, what we call the Falcon body came from. Yeah. And then the Falcon, we actually broke that tool by accident. Um, so we made a Falcon 2.0 of <laughs> no inherent version of we need to make a new tool. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, we sort of smartened it up and gave harsher lines and stuff. Um, but yeah, um, body shells, it, it does take a certain artistic eye. Yeah. Uh, sure. Sometimes my eye works that way. Other times it really doesn't. Um, and yeah, um, but between them, they, I'm quite happy for them to be involved and, so is, and so is, that stuff. Is your dad literally looking at pictures and shaping a piece of piece, whittling it as of a block of wood for the, Pretty to make much the molds? He, yeah, he's cool. got um, a bit of body filler. Pictures, yeah, a bit of body filler, a bit of you know all kinds of stuff. Um, but he's bought himself various woodworking tools and sort of builds it up in slices, if you like. So he'll make a base layer and then build it all the way up, build the cab and then cut bits off it and cut grooves in it and fill it back in before you'll make something that he's then happy with, make a pull of it, and then we'll backfill it with like a aluminium-type base resin, which yeah. is quite good stuff. And then tools should be good for life, hopefully, after that. So how did you break the, the, the first body mould? Did you drop it? Didn't drop it. It was a mixture plaster pack. It wasn't a sort of a professional level of yeah. tool, if you like. And it just went through too many heat cycles, I think. And then um, polycarbonate gets particularly hot enough to vac form it. And then pulling it off, blowing it off repeatedly, I think just the heating and cooling cycles is enough. Yeah. yeah, it did its life and it cracked straight down the middle. And it was just, oh, no, that's oh. a proper pain. But never mind. No, um, really. And onwards. So we, me and Chris have got a question for you. Um, cool. The, you know, the, you made the B6 minus one toe plates for the, the B... For them to take to re yes. so reduce the toe in the back of the, the cars. Uh, and obviously yep. I've heard you've got you, you're on about doing you've got someone for other vehicles as well, haven't you? Um, but the yep. question we were leading on to um, was they come in silver. Well, Chris and, I, yeah. Chris and I think you need to, you need to pick a colour, mate. <laughs> I had a feeling this was coming. Is there a certain colour? No, no, not at, not at all. Uh, obviously, I, I obviously, obviously he's going to want a blue one because he's like that. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I'd have a black one. But no, but what I'm saying is, you know, I know Schumacher's black, X-rays, orange, hoodies, purple. You know, yeah. uh, uh, had, you, had you had any thoughts about doing um, doing a colour? I mean, I know, we know you clear analyse your stuff, um, so yeah. it's going to the shop anyway. But have you ever thought, oh, I'm, I'm you're going to go for a colour? Yeah, and you know I, I'm not totally opposed to it. The problem comes with when you do colours, it becomes a bit of a minefield in terms of there's blue, but there's fifty thousand shades you might get of blue. Yeah, yeah. Um, one it, shade of blue that matters. <laughs> is. Yeah, but we, um, that's lucky though, Chris, because we get normally get like three or four shades of it in the kit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. mate. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's just quality control. You can guarantee it's going to look cool if it's clear. That's it, pretty much. You know, if we go clear, that's our colour, and it, it looks cool. But you know, I'm, I'm. We could do a special edition and do some blue ones. We've only just managed to get them back in stock, to be honest. Yeah. I, they, again, the, the towing blocks have been um, 
Everyone at Silverstone had them apart from me, and I mean everyone. What is that? Why haven't I got one? The only reason I the... haven't bought one is because I was waiting for them to come in blue. All oh, right, yeah. <laughs> two weeks, mate. It could happen. Two yeah, weeks. two weeks. Yeah, I want to be first on the list for that one, then. I need, need an advance notice so I can pay up front. It so has been a popular part, to be honest. Like, delving into the world of option parts has been a good move for, for me really just because mm. I, I do get a lot of messages which is, is annoying um, the market sort of built this way and we can really talk about this if you want but uh, everyone's a team driver for, for someone like I get messages about oh, I love your cars but I drive for such and such so you know I can't drive one oh, yeah. you know, I really love this but I can't drive it because I drive for such and such and I'm yeah. just like goodness this is a nightmare, you know. I've got this car out there. Which, you just, you tell know, just, to, are... just tell him just to buy one anyway. Just buy one, run into yeah, the exactly. No one, no one will care. You know what I mean? No it's one a, will care. It is pretty annoying receiving those messages and the way the sort of industry works. Like we do have a limited market just because everyone's scrapping over sort of holding on to customers with you know these direct deals and types of things, but. Uh, yeah. yeah. So obviously that makes more sense as to as definitely to sell them upgrade parts. I mean, like I said, I know you're not doing this for a living. You know, no one's yeah, going exactly. to get rich off yeah. selling selling RC parts. But you no, know, it does give you from. options to, to to do things like that. So what was the thought behind them taking well, taking um, a degree of toe off the back of, of a B6? Just, um, yeah, it was a thought progression of we were in the progression of the way we're racing now on these high traction sort of surfaces. We were taking more and more toe off and thinking, you know, this is really good. And I thought, I had the thought in my head of, you know, let's take it all off. Is that going to be completely disastrous? Where, because, you know, even though you take all the toe off, the hinge pins and the natural movement of everything, it's not fixed to six, six degree, uh, yeah. sorry, zero degree toe. It will actually come into positive toe in certain instances. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought, no, we've got to do it. Like, the bug is at me for this one this could be an option part that could be really handy and helpful to everyone um be cool to see these on the back of everyone's car so let's give it a go and this would have been it's probably come up to a year ago i don't think we, we didn't have them for the gp last year i think it was an essex round i got them ready for that after and i'm running at the moment the ae version so that's where we started and obviously the A being a very popular car anyway, it sort of, it'd be a great tunable option for associated drivers if yeah. you know this worked. So we went to a race, I made some first off, we made three, and I went to a race and I put it on the back of my car, and basically what it does is it lets you go, the normal capable, I might get a bit lost here, but AE bring out some new pills as well, which make things confusing, but the normal as you get it in the kit, you can go from four degrees toe down to one degree. Yeah. And most people run one degree. So yeah. um, what the block does is it moves that capable toe window. You can go from maximum of three degrees down to zero degrees. So I went straight out, bang qualifying, let's run one degree and then let's swap out and go to half degree. Yeah. And I went to half degree and went, oh, this is, this is cool. You know, I'm liking the feeling of this. Um, and then from there on, I was like, I need to scout, you know, I'm running my car, my the RF2. I was like, what I'm interested in is th does this help a normal uh, AE driver? So let's find some people that are sort of, you know, I can 
trust to give this a go. And I think the first person I approached at that meeting, so this was an Essex carpet clash round, yeah. uh, was Jimmy Whitehall was there with Industry RC. Yeah. I was like, Jimmy, this is what this does. Chuck it on. Let's see how we go. And he came back. I think we went out in that round. He was in my qualifier and he went like three places higher. And he was like, that was awesome. Mate. Let's, you know. And then we both went, well, let's go zero degree because you know, let's go mad and see how this goes. Yeah. And then it was evidently, this is really good. You know, we found sort of a, an opening here of a window that no one's been in and this works really well. And then I think it was coming into the last round, Steve Brown came over to me and was like, um, I think you've got these bits going on. Like any, any yeah. chance you got another one to give a go? And again, I lent one, to, I gave one to Steve Brown and he, he went load faster. So, um, yeah, pretty happy with that. It, it's been a really good product and, yeah, it's the best. I'd say fifteen quid anyone can spend. That well, that's it as well. You know, what I mean? make a change. It, uh, to your and, car. And, the, and the beautiful thing about selling something at that price that is that people, you know, even if they think it's going to work, you know, they will, they will happily spend fifteen, twenty quid, and not even blink an eye. Would they? You know, exactly that. Yeah. yeah, it's the same price as the the one from AE. So yeah. it's like the block you buy from AE, and and it's really nice to be able to put a product out there that say that you know everyone can use that. Um, their races and associated and not worry about you know tripping team contracts and the other likes and you know it, it's a real difference and driving on zero degrees is different but really cool once you get used to it does it, it help so, I mean for me because I need a bit more rotation at uh, Midlands and I was going to put the shorter chassis on my car yeah um, I'll talk about you know this before we um, locked down and whatever um, but I think that would help you know um because it's all hairpins, you know, it's all really tight hairpins. There's no real sweepers, you know. So I yeah. thought, you know, just give me that re extra rotation into the into the, the hairpins. What it really helps with is um, on power steering. Uh, it, it does give more rotation in the corner, but the on power steering because the rear wheels are already square yeah. and not trying to push the car on straight as you get on the throttle. Yeah, um, it really helps with on power steering. Um, which is that's where we think we're catching the most time with um, using that option. Yeah, um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, cool. That's good. Have you so have you tried it with these blocks um, outdoors off road? No, not yet. Um, but I am interested to. Um, I tend to run around. My personal preference is around two degrees, just because it adds a bit of safety. But I think if you went on a smooth enough astro track outside then um where the bumps and stuff don't come into his play and you know have the other kind of effects going on where you don't need an as easy a car to drive um but yeah i think as we sort of got going then the whole racing scene shut down so um but you know it's definitely something to try as we can get out and play again hopefully soon at some point Yeah, be good. I think tracks like Southport, which are um, probably as close to a carpet track as you're going to get without a roof, um, yeah. they'd really benefit there. Um, and there is talk that Telford are looking at getting some of the same Astro as well. So the more of these uh, tracks that have the high grip stuff, the more these parts are going to come into their own really outdoors, aren't they? So what's next then, Will? Have you got Have you got any big plans? Is there anything uh, chipping away in the back of your mind that you fancy having a go at? 
Anything we could look forward to? So there's definitely the stuff that I've promised in terms of we need more uh, conversion kits. Like I haven't had them in stock for quite a while. Um, so that hopefully it's been a long time coming, but coming into sort of middle of this month. Stuff. Yeah, so we we tend to run pre-orders for this yeah. kind of thing yeah, where you so. can put down twenty quid, and if you change your mind, you know you can have twenty quid back. It's yeah. really easy going, um, and then once it's ready, um, you can pay the the rest of the amount, and we'll ship the car out. Um, but yeah, we have a few pre-orders standing, which have been standing just way too long for my liking. But it's sort of it all got out con- so out of control so quickly in terms of work just went absolutely ballistic, like how no one would ever predicted and then unable to travel to the machine shop unable to actually lend a hand and oh of course um, yeah yeah so um hopefully we'll get on top of that soon get that going and then uh, yokomo again i promised that so we'll, we'll do that and then it's kind of like where do i go it's kind of do we focus more on the option part scene i, I do like um, that avenue of work and working with people in terms of they approach me so oh, it'd be cool if you could do something like this and then um provide something and then see how they get on um so i do like the the idea of the, the more option part style thing or we have been talking that do we put more of a focus into a, a full product you know we've got the facility to do it and you've got the sources so it's kind of like where do you put your yeah, manpower kind of thing, but it would be cool if I could get the time to draw up the car in my head. I think it would be. Um, have you got? An, have you got a car on your head? I have yeah, nice, yeah. Nice. Uh, it, and it would be kind of like. I hope it would be sort of how. We'd all love to see a blurry concept photo, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it'll be nice to get something drawn up and sort of actually have a working model if you like but um yeah i'd like it to be how you know the the market is very similar at the moment because it's very hard to take risks and everything's very similar um because there's so little money in the whole game that i understand you know all the four drives are very similar all the tool drives are very similar we're also at a time of the progression has reached a point where the cars are also good um that's also another factor but i'd like to view it hopefully if I could get out a car that was in my head the same way as I view the automatics car in the on-road scene I was like that is so cool and I'm just interested in how that works so I want it yeah um, that's how I'd like if I was to drive a two or four drive buggy that also to be perceived as like well that's so out there you know um, but that's the, the how I'm doing it working a full-time job elsewhere having this as sort of a bit of I do this because I enjoy uh, this side to my racing and also helping others enjoy racing through those products. Um, that's why I do it. Um, so for us to spend time designing a car that's completely out there, having the facility to, ma- to make those parts ourselves um, doesn't pose the, the financial risks like the likes of companies in the business just doing this yeah. would face. So we could do something absolutely crazy and it could not work whatsoever, but you know, it wouldn't be any bearing to us. At least we sort of, you know, we don't even see in the world of real cars, you get concept cars. Yeah. We don't get that in the model scene. It'd be cool to even, you know, just to come up with concept cars and do stuff like that. Yeah. So all sorts, I could go in any way 
yeah. whatever direction. I've, I've got a question. Lots of stuff. One, um, one of the last questions we'll be asking, um, unless Chris has got anything piled up for you. Um, I know you said you listened to a couple of episodes. Uh, we've been speaking yeah. about Predators um, with yeah. Nathan Rowles, yeah. Roger Mills, Lee Martin, about how they lay down shocks in that car you know there was different trains of thoughts like Roger and Nath were saying they don't work they don't don't work anymore because they're double bounce and they can't do the big jumps and Lee Martin yep. was saying nah honestly if you give me one of those cars I could make it work today what are your thoughts on why that suspension system faded away going into why, why we don't see it nowadays it's a difficult one with the Predator I think uh yeah the double bouncing was a big thing um with that car and i i don't i know the predator's got a, a massive following and i had such a love-hate relationship with with mine um yeah like one meeting i'd have the best meeting in the world and then i remember i think it was an f2s at brockstone i turned up to the meeting completely unknown made the a final in two-wheel drive and i was like in the running for a podium the next day I ran my Predator and I remember DNFing every qualifier and then me throwing it through the tent because no matter how meticulously I prepped the car, something would go wrong Mate, with it. you're not alone. Was it, like, so, it was like Neil Craig or Ben Jemison jumping one off a hotel roof because yeah. that's such a bad meeting. You're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> it was a phenomenal car. It was just, it would go so either way. Yeah. You'd have the best racing day of your life and the car would be absolutely phenomenal or it would be the hardest piece of work you've ever known and yeah. fall apart every run no matter how meticulous your prep or anything um so but there's no reason for the shocks and stuff going away i don't think but it's much easier shock packages now are better than they've ever been but the more volume of oil you can hold and the likes of that um you know it's much easier to displace the large amounts of energy you need to when you, you're trying to damp a car off a 20 foot jump or whatever it might yeah. be if you've got double the volume of oil, that's going to be twice as easy, or it probably scales up even more than that to damp out that action. Yeah. Um, and then the smaller shocks are hard to deal with that. But I don't think the cantilever, you know, the rocker-style suspension, yeah. that should be written off. Um, yeah. There's nothing wrong with doing a shock like that, and you can make a shock behave exactly how an upright shock would, Yeah. I believe. But, um, yeah, it needs to be... I know people want the Predator to come back, but the Predator should... That car had its time... Yeah. Um, there's a lot more now to be learned from what we could do with the new and you know a rocker style suspension would be epic and I think is valid now and you know I'd look to do something like that um, but yeah it wasn't just the lay down shots with the Predator it had very other things that are so different from today like the bottom wishbones were extremely long compared to the top wishbone and yeah it made for a, a quite a different to drive car yeah but way ahead of his time cool to look back but yeah I, I wouldn't want to drive one again so I'd like to have one <laughs> like, I, I really miss not having mine but um, I, mean, I, yeah. know, I know you haven't got any um, uh, you haven't been racing that long but have you, did you keep any of your old cars so no regrettably oh, I have got a few which I can run through but um, the memorable ones I've kept so I've got the original Vega prototype I have which was it was called the frog for short that people might remember at the time because the body was very particular but that was a before the rv5 version there was a lossy triple x version um i raced that car for a season i've still got that in a bag bits um and then i've got what was the vega 4 which was the car we built 
as a the full drive buggy, which was sort of as we you know the Vega scene was quite big at that time. We, we made a, a belt driven full drive car that it was really good, and we did aim to produce at the time, but that was uh, around the time 2012-2013 when the business eventually closed doors. Um, I have the only one of those. Um, there was two. The other one was broken into bits, and I have no idea where it is now. But I've got a complete one of them. So they're sort of my two cars um, that I've kept. The rest I would have, you know, I had a lot of, pretty much have had every Vega there was. But I would have, at the time, didn't have a lot of money and uh, sold one to move on to the next one kind yeah, of thing. I'll still do like, it now. <laughs> still yeah, do it now. I regret that, you know, it is gutting, but... You know, never mind. We move on. Yeah. You got any last questions, Chris? No, we've just got like our, our standard ones. We asked all the guests. Um, you go for it, mate. You know, so if you could sort of, you know, lockdown ends tomorrow, you can go any track that you've you've raced on, any meeting that you've been at, you know, anything like that. Where would you go, and what car would you take? Oof. I think I would. I'd rerun that that exact meeting at the the air hangar, the the last British GP. Um, that's probably one of the best meetings I've I've had in my racing. Not only for my racing, but as um, the brand Will Speed being there, we did some cool stuff. We sponsored the meeting. Um, I made B final. Kyle made the A final, and just had. You know, we went out for curries and drinks and all sorts and just had a phenomenal weekend. Um, it's hard to believe that's sort of a year ago now. But, yeah, I'd relived that meeting, I think. Like, it, we had fresh jackets made and felt proper cool. We had a proper team presence, um, yeah, making the trophies and stuff, the build-up to that. I just had an epic weekend that weekend. And the track was difficult, but I, I managed to get on with it and... Yeah, just had a really good time and spoke to loads of people, which was really cool. Like we had a bit more of a name for ourselves then, and people coming over and talking to us about stuff, which was really good. Um, yeah. And would it be with obviously your your RF twos or? Yeah, you don't I think fancy taking would... one of the Vegas. The only Vega I had, I the the two hundred one Vega I had, I loved beyond belief. I think like when we were racing at Maritime, which was multi-surface at the time, and I was racing my Vega 201, it was just so dominant in there. It was awesome. I think I won a couple of winter championships and stuff in there. Uh, so I would love to live that car again, but driving my RF2 at uh, the air hangar in Brunson Thorpe, um, I think I just, it was one of those days, it was super easy. I didn't feel fast. I just drove around and kept putting in the times and it was so easy and I just had an awesome day it was really good amazing it was a good meeting and those trophies were uh, were something else they were an, another level of uh, trophies weren't they yeah cool thank, thank you it was sort of trying to think a bit outside the box to do something different for them for a, a quite a special meeting it brought having a trophy that someone would like to take back rather than sort of more of the generic plastic cup was, you know, uh, the drive to do that. And yeah, we've done that a couple of times now for, for Paul and the Silverstone crew. We did it for the, the one in the shopping center as well. The second one with the trophies there as well. 
um yeah hopefully I'd, I'd like to do a bit more of that it's quite a um we take on all the cost of doing that ourselves and just for the pure pleasure of doing it for those meetings and those people um and nothing besides that so and they were they were awesome i was yeah. gutted i didn't get my hands on one <laughs> you just gotta be faster mate well that's the thing mate i'm getting old now isn't it? <laughs> when i had my eyes tested today they've gone downhill again so that just means i'm getting slower <laughs> well we've been going for nearly an hour now so i think it's about time we thank you for your time mm. um before we let you go do you want to say thank you to anyone friends family sponsors long-suffering wife yeah uh, suffering partner for sure uh, puts up with a lot uh, with me but uh, thank you for you guys for inviting me on it's been a pleasure to talk uh, toy cars for a little bit um, outside you know what's been going on that's been really cool and just thanks to anyone that has supported us liked stuff on our page shared stuff sent nice messages you know it, it all is massively appreciated and it brings uh, a total pleasure to me to be a part of the hobby in this way um, so just thank you to all those guys and anyone that supports us cause, and the distributors that support us as well um, uh, Greg RC Disco CML Schumacher um, they've been a great help in supporting projects as well so um, I hope I've not forgotten anyone but yeah no, just thank you to anyone that supported us along the way that's brilliant thank you very much cheers mate no problem at all. And he's gone. How about that? Short and sweet. Yeah. No messing about. No, no, it was really, really interesting chat. Good to. Uh... That was really, you know, it was really good. Especially, you know, the stuff about the the predator and stuff like that. that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. There's part of it that secretly hopes he kind of. They re-release it. Not re-releases it, but you know, does he? Mm. Does he get hold of a bit of this and a bit of that and work some stuff out? And does he do like? Does he uh, will speed a predator? <laughs> No. Uh, I, think be, be, I think it'd be a small market. I don't think it would, mm. mate. I think I think uh, the enthusiasts would be out there buying it. Yeah. And what's to what's to say if it's done properly, it's not an extremely competitive modern day car in its own right. Well, that's it. That's it. Um, what you been up to, mate? Um, not a lot really. Uh, had a couple, had a few days off work. Um. So, just been dicking about with the van, doing some of the major bits that have got to get done. There's how, a couple of... how far along are we with the van? What's what, what's the? Um, uh, if you're a first-time we... listener, Chris is building a, a Mercedes Sprinter-style camper van for racing. Uh, so I did. Uh, got the windows put in, and then while it was a nice, I say sunny day, but the sun, there was there was barely a cloud in the sky on the on the Monday so um, I jumped up on the roof with a jigsaw and an angle grinder and I chopped a bleeding great hole in the roof and stuck the skylight on oh nice yeah yeah so I was quite happy with that and it rang overnight so when I went I thought I you know what because it's parked at my mum's um, yeah. I haven't got a drive big enough for it um, whereas she has so um, I thought well, I'll drive round and I'll just uh, I'll open the door and I'll see am I going to be surprised that there's no puddle or surprised that there's a bloody great puddle yeah um and to the surprise there was no puddle so I was like extremely I was really chuffed with myself I did actually see also as well um, not to to um, take away from your wonderful work but you had the, you had some big massive windows fitted in the side of it they looked uh, plenty big enough yeah it's like I, the, they're like the size of a small transit van yeah I'm in and I'm in about having a couple more though because I want it to be light and airy I don't want it to be dark and dingy in there 
So um, you want it to be, yeah. you don't want it to be like a tour bus. You want it to be like a camper. I want it to be like classy. Yeah. You know what I mean. Um, so I'm woman and iron. I don't know. It's thingy. I'm ditting about now, trying to decide uh, on the solar. Um, so I'll call out Roger when he finally messages me back. Two um, weeks. Yeah. Um, I swear to you, if you send... Because Roger knows all about this solar stuff, so he's just giving me a bit of advice along the way, and he's going to help me install it. Um, you message him about, you know, what does one mil of roll centre change do? You get a message back in three minutes. When he's like, Roger, what happens if I connect this 300-watt cable to this 200-watt cable? <laughs> you don't get a message back. So. He's probably got a consulting spreadsheets or something, man. Yeah, yeah, he'll have it all, have it all jotted down. He's got some sort of calculator or something. Yeah. So, so it's mo- so it's moving on. Have you got any next steps? Have you looked at uh, getting a job yeah, or anything a... recently? <laughs> no, no, I'd, I'd been doing some bits and pieces, but obviously, with with the COVID situation getting a bit worse, we'd been kind of me and my mate had been doing some um, some sort of self-employed style little bits. Yeah. Um, and we'd had a bumper January. You know, we'd done a few big jobs. And with the way the co uh, the COVID R rate and everything was skyrocketing, we just sort of looked at it and said, like, is it a bit irresponsible, you know, still going round six people's houses a day yeah. to do this work, when arguably we earned we we earned enough in the January to tick us over for a couple of months, yeah. like. So we just decided to have a few weeks off. So, you know, we've had a couple of weeks off, probably another week. But then we, when we do go back to doing stuff, it's literally just going to be like a job a day. Yeah. Um, you know, very small jobs, but only being in people's houses for an hour or two a day, kind of thing. Yeah. So, just to try and be it's tough, safe, it's tough, smart. It's tough really. out there, mate. I keep saying to people they don't realise. You know, it's tough out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's um. Yeah. It's not just that either. It's how how do you approach it? Because the type of work we're doing, you can't work with a bloody mask on all day. It's just not possible. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I agree, totally agree. But I mean, we were wearing masks all day in the workshops, and it's an absolute nightmare. Like, I mean, I don't know if people do it for a living and have a mask on every day. You know, at the top of my ears yeah. are raw, you know. And obviously, working, you know, proper hands on in it in, in, in an environment like that, it's it's just you know, it's, it's hard to, to wear it all day. Really hard. Yeah, it's it was sucking. I mean, we luckily had like the the sort of respirator style masks rather than the thing the strap around the back of your head rather yeah. than your ears. Um, Christ, I don't need anything pulling on my ears. They never really look like wing nuts. Yeah, uh, yeah so. absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we uh, we just I'm having a bit of time to do yeah. my van. I'm enjoying Fair it enough. more on my well, own. Shut yep. the door. Make out while the sun shines and make yeah. sure you have a nice rest as well. The yeah. um, I've been doing some some competent modelling, mate. Well, competent it, modelling. Com- like, I love that. You know, people... Does this mean you finally started my truck body? No, 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 no. no. That was me thinking you were, uh, yeah. you know, you're going to tell me I've done it for you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to then? What competent modelling have you been doing? I've done um, I've done another paint job on the outside of a, uh, a body, but I, um, you know, I did that rusty one looking thing yeah. the other week. Well, I've done another one, but the, the theory behind this one was like it was my, a race truck of mine that had been parked under a tree for 20 years. Um, and then dragged oh, back like out again and cleaned up, yeah, sort of thing, yeah. Um, so yeah. I did that, and it don't look too bad. Um, it's got my 
yellow, blue and green on it. <laughs> Same as my T-shirt. I mean, I, did, I so, didn't know you'd been doing anything like that because you hadn't posted it on the group. I know, yeah, I know you're right. I've probably posted pictures and all. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, Chris, I'll do that. As soon as I've done all the other stuff I do for, for this show, I'll, I'll, I'll do that tonight. I'll post some pictures and then we can see what I'm on about. So, also, I um, have ordered Bruce uh, a Tamiya TTO one lorry, racing lorry from Pen Models. I bet you, if you send that to Paul Upton, he'll paint that for you. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you <laughs> might do. Yeah, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm this truck. Promise it's not for me; it's for Bruce. So he's gonna have one. Um, yeah. then, we, then we can drive in the street because we got we got nothing to drive in the street, man. Really, you know, we got the we got the race cars, um, but obviously being mid motor, they don't work very well on tarmac. Um, and we got some crawlers, but same again, they ain't really much cop for you know messing about in the street with. Yeah. Um, and we, we've been looking at these trucks in the past, so anyway, we'll get you one of them. You can play with that in the street. Um, and I can put some tires out, and you can practice his lines and stuff. Or whatever. Yeah. So, and then I'll have to get one. I ordered myself a new ride out gauge. <laughs> what was wrong? With, what was wrong with the one you had? Wasn't big enough. <laughs> I'd got. I've. Uh, well, I got the got LMR. Fourteen mil these days, don't you? No, no. I'd got the LMR one, the, the Twister one with yeah, the, yeah. Uh, like the little carbon slider thing. Yeah. That pushes it under. Um, and it goes up to twenty mil, I think it is. But I wanted the bigger one because um, they do one that's like from. I think it's from 16 mil and it goes all the way up to 30. Um, you know, for like the truck and for the eighth car and that. Yeah. Uh, so I messaged, I messaged Lee and got that sorted. Nice. So you got that on the way to you know. Yeah, I just wanted it to match, really, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know so, what I'm like. I like yeah. everything to look look the same on my on yeah. my bench. So. I, no- I did notice that Ashley Patterson has had two fresh eighth kits delivered to himself. I, I, I need to find out where he's working and get myself that job. He works, at, he works at a hospital, man. Yeah, I know, but... but I tell you, but mate, was, but he lives at home with his mum and dad. That's why. Yeah, yeah. We know so, what he's spent. Ash, Ash I know you listen, mate. And I'm saying this just for you. Buy your dad a car. Pit for your dad for a year. No, he did. He bought his dad... Um, he bought his dad the Schumacher F1 car. Because they're both big Ferrari fans, yeah, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. So yeah, he bought his dad the Schumacher F1 car, and then so that they could go and race together. I think a, a, on a Tuesday night, because they go to the Stoke yeah. Club, um, so they can race together. Ash then bought himself one as well, nice. so that they can actually race against each other. Yeah. So well, that was quite that was quite cool, quite a thoughtful thing to do. Yeah. yeah. So we look at knocking it on the head, mate. Yep. Right, so I suppose you want me to thank the thank the sponsors, don't you? You tell you what, you're getting the anger this. You yeah, are getting the anger this, mate. Yeah, you go. Yeah, you know, it's only been, it's only been eleven weeks now. <laughs> you go, girl. Time to yeah. shine. So uh, it's our usual thank you to the guys over at uh, at CML Distribution, Wes, Keith, Alex, Jason, all you guys. Uh, keep up the good work, and uh, thank you for the support. And then Schumacher Racing. Uh, Muzz, Trish, Robin, all you guys up there. Uh, thank you again for the support, and uh, yeah, thank you. Perfect. 
Guys, thank you very much for your input over the last couple of weeks. Thank you for liking and sharing. Thank you for getting involved and, and, and staying on board with what we're doing. Um, as you know, we are just trying to get the word out there for RC, RC racing. It's difficult times at the moment. We can't go to the track. We don't know when we can go for the foreseeable future. So what we're trying to do, we're just trying to bring you content with people who've been around and who've been there like tonight's guest. Um, and we'll be looking to do something similar next week as well. So once again, thanks very much. Don't forget to like and share this episode um, to put you in with a chance uh, of a prize at Christmas for the Christmas wrap Um Chris, that's about me done, mate. So yep. thanks very much to you as well. You, you've been epic this week. And I'll, I'll see you next week. Yep, see you next week, mate.